You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 266. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 266. You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello. Well, hello, my... We meet again. Love of my life. Love of my life. Well, <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. Excited to have you here on another edition of the Joy Junkie Show podcast. Today, we're talking about jumping to conclusions, making up stories. Mm. There was a way in which this kind of came up last week on the podcast. So last week, we were talking about how do you know if it's your intuition talking to you or if it's your inner critic talking to you. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that we do all the time is we we future trip. We make up a story. I love that title, future trip. We make up something that we think is going to happen. A lot of times we do this when we are replaying a conversation over and over and over again in our head, thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, gosh, they thought this, they thought that, they thought this. Or we read into things that other people say. A lot of times we do that when we're trying to make decisions and stuff, too, where we start just making up this huge story about, well, if I make up – if I – make that decision, then this is going to happen or that's going to happen or this is, you know, and we get so lost into this fabricated conclusion that many times is not rooted in reality at all. So we're going to dig into that quite a bit today. I think you guys will find it fascinating. Nice. But you know, we like to start off on sort of a lighter note. Got that nice little segment we like to call. Would you rather... That's right. And today's Would You Rather is, would you rather be a gigantic ant oh, or a tiny giraffe? Okay, so qualify sizes here a little bit. I know. I knew I needed to do that. So I'm thinking about elephant-sized. An elephant-sized ant? Yeah. Or? Or maybe a mouse-sized giraffe. Okay. like um, Okay, so... Because, I, okay, so in my head, I'm thinking, okay, giraffes, even even if I was small, they would probably keep me as, like, a prized possession. <laughs> Who's they? Whoever, Whoever is, like... Whoever owned you? Somebody's got to own you to be a, a tiny giraffe? Well, in our little capitalist society, I feel like they probably... Unless I'm a species that nobody's ever found before or something mm. like that. I'm just thinking if I was a giraffe, I think I would be taken If you were a miniature giraffe, you'd probably not have been found yet. <sighs> But a gigantic ant? Oh, there's been movies made on that. But I feel like they would want to kill me if I was a giant ant. I don't yeah. know. Maybe not. Maybe I would get taken care of even they. better. It's always they. It's they. It's always them. Fucking corporate greed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't... Uh, oh. I just feel like a you? tiny giraffe is pretty fucking useless. Like, oh, so don't... you're going utilitarian Yeah, style. like what do you do with a tiny giraffe? As a tiny giraffe, what would you do? What's your function in life? 
You would just to be avoid an, getting hurt. Would, it's like tiny rhino. You'd be like a novelty. Well, a tiny rhino can defend itself in many ways that a giraffe cannot. Oh, like a giraffe. <sighs> I don't know. They don't. They don't. I mean, they've got those little pokey horns, but they're lovely. They're amazing. They're, and they're except beautiful. for that one shady oh, giraffe that one sh- <laughs> at that one place we went. Wouldn't eat out of my bowl. You're throwing not, mad shade. You're not bitter at it. I'm of never gonna forgive him. Her. 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 She had beautiful brown eyes though. Those beautiful browns. I'm gonna go with a gigantic ant because I feel like I could get a hell of a lot more done. Like as a giant ant, think of the house you could build. <laughs> like you could whittle away wood and like you could really like put together just a nice... survival wise. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be hard to kill you. I think they would put you in some sort of zoo or something, though. I'd knock them out. Oh, you would? Mm-hmm. You'd be like, I'd, boom, boom. I'd pinch their heads off. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You're a very hostile one. Well, I w- if they're going to put me in a museum, well, I would Well, maybe be. I need to also be a giant ant, then. That way, we could, like, be a pair. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if uh, we would mesh well if I was a giant ant and you were a tiny Oh, you don't giraffe. know if you're hostile or not? I, I don't know about hostile. I just don't know about the size difference. <laughs> I know. We went off on a crazy little tangent. Didn't we? I, I, I'm going to pick Ant just so that I can be with you. Oh, that's the sweetest thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> well, because... That's thoughtful. I, I'm i just really concerned that people are out to get me and put me in some sort of zoo. <laughs> They're going to own you. And I feel like you and I could do some like King Kong kind of shit if yeah. we really got going. Okay. So that's what I'm going to say. All right. We would love to hear what you would rather. And we talk about it every single week over in the Joy Junkie After Hours Club. It's a private Facebook group that I have uh, that you are more than welcome to come join. And we talk about what we would rather every single Monday. And it's hilarious, especially the reasoning behind it. But there's more reasons why you want to come over to the Facebook There's a lot of reasons. One of them is I do trainings, additional bonus Q&A trainings every single Thursday. And I sound off on anything that's been coming up from the club members, things that they need help with, advice on. And a lot of times it comes just in the nick of time. So if you have anything pressing where you're like, oh, Amy, I really could use some help here. Come over to the After Hours community. Chances are you're you're going to get the solution that you are looking for. Oh, Whew. Yes. Oh, and let me tell you where to go. Go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. That'll redirect you right over to the Facebook group, and you can tell us what you would rather and get in on the combo. Plus, there's tons of other free shit over there that is fun to access. I put together a whole podcast resource vault for you. You'll have access to all the other Q and Slay videos that I do. I've done like 45 trainings. Yes, you'll be able to access all of those over in the club. All right, so let's talk about this whole notion of jumping to conclusions. We see this constantly in our lives, and I'm pretty sure that you can relate to that the way in which we talk to ourselves, and I'm going to give you a tons, tons of examples and some tools to work with, and then what we make up about other people. So when we talk to ourselves, a lot of times what we do is we will say things with our own inner conversation, our inner critic, if you will, or inner shit talker. That says, like, if I do this one thing, or if this thing happens, then I'm a a failure, I'm not worthy, I suck, or something like that. So 
what I talk about a lot of times in my in my work, and if you've ever come to one of my free workshops, a lot of times I'll talk about this particular tool that's called If This, Then That. And it's a way to kind of catch your inner critic and how you've been speaking to yourself where you will take one situation or fact or isolated incident and you'll make it mean something grandiose about who you are as a person. So I'll give you a couple of examples. For instance, We'll, like, let's say you're going through a really rough breakup and you tell yourself, well, if he doesn't love me, then I'm not lovable. Or if she doesn't love me, then I'm not lovable or I'm not valuable or I'm damaged. I'm damaged. So you take this certain set of affairs that's happening, like he might not love you. Like that might be a fact, right? Like that might be the reality of your situation, but what you, the conclusion that you jump to is is not just influencing this one particular fact. It's now become this umbrella about the entirety of who you are. So another mm-hmm. example, like if my kids are ill-behaved, then I'm a horrible parent. It's like, no, it could mean a ton of other things. We just jump to that conclusion and make it mean something huge. Or something like, if I gain weight or if I am heavier, then I'm a total failure or then I'm not lovable or then I'm not worthy. So what I would love for you to do is to start listening to your own internal conversation about when you take a specific set of circumstances or a situation or a fact, and you make it mean something totally different. And we do this a lot of times in our own minds. So what you can do with this type of thing is to take that first if, like if he doesn't love me, and then simply restate it as a fact, right? So you would say, like, if he doesn't love me, then he doesn't love me. Instead of jumping to this huge conclusion about who you are. If my kids are ill-behaved, then my kids are ill-behaved. It doesn't have to mean that you suck as a parent. It could mean that they're, they had a lot of sugar or they have learning disabilities. I mean, it could mean a ton of other things. It doesn't automatically have to be this ridiculous conclusion about who you are. Right. That's interesting. If I gain weight, then I gain weight. Right? So... In your first column, and this is something that I would highly suggest journaling out, is your if that if this, then that statement. So maybe g- give yourself a week to monitor any time you find yourself saying, well, if I do this, then this must be the reality. Mm-hmm. Or if I don't get this job, then I'm not competent. Or then my whole life is going to fall apart. And really look at the variance there, because most likely it's something like, if this particular person doesn't love you, that does not mean that you're unlovable. That's just what you've created in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's the conclusion you have come to. So you actually have the power to put whatever you want in that other column. So let me back up here a second. If you were to map this out and journal this out on paper, you would have one column in the left that says, if the following... And then in the second column, saying, then these things must be true. So you kind of have to divide up what you are generating as the fact and then what you 
create as the fiction. So all of the things that are in the first column are likely a fact, a very simple fact. Like for instance, if I don't get this job, like that might be a fact. You might might not have gotten the fact. If my mom hates me, she might actually hate you, right? Like, so oftentimes it's if, if this scenario is true, then this other thing must be true. And that's the fallacy. That's, that's what, the jump to conclusions. That's exactly right. Because whatever you put in after the word then is what you have made up. So you get to make up whatever you want. Mm. Right? Oh, that's nice. So, so <laughs> oh, that's nice. So essentially that first column is going to be the fact, like if my kids are ill-behaved, if I gain weight, okay, that might be a fact that you gained weight. And then this the after the then column, you've gone from fact to fiction. So I want you to really look at the variance between those two and look at what is that conclusion that you draw about yourself. And so what you can do is you can go a couple of different ways. You can go into just stating the situation as fact, which I like to call moving to neutral, where, you know, is exactly what I just mentioned. Like, if I don't get this job, then I don't get this job. Right. You just make it all factual. Or because you can create your own truth, you can make it positive if you if you want. Like, if I don't get this job, then rejection is God's protection. Or if he doesn't love me, then there's somebody else out there who will. Or I'm excited to find out who will. So what I want you to understand is whatever comes after the word then is what you're making up. So why don't we make up something that's powerful? Okay. Right? I like it. And that's another sort of like little nuance to check out is anytime you use that word then in your own self-talk, watch what follows after it. Even if it's not a if this, then that. Even if it's just gosh, well, then nobody's going to like me. You, I think for most people, it's just catching yourself saying it at all. Right. You know, like that seems to be the big thing is like, that's the first part. Once you've started yes. going, okay, I'm, I, I caught myself doing it. Then you can start getting nuanced, right? Then you can start saying, oh, I'm saying this. Okay. So now I can say this instead. Right. Right, but you have to catch yourself first. Absolutely. And that's why we always talk about awareness being the win. Mm -hmm. You have to catch up this kind of false truth that you're making up and and catch yourself in the moment. So a lot of times I find, because I work with such a high kind of people-pleasing demographic, (laughs) that they tend to say things like, then – people won't love me or I have to get it done this way or or else. Then people are going to think I'm not competent. They're going to think I'm ugly. They're going to think I'm not capable. They're going to think I'm a bad mother. So you might also look for then they're going to think. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, that might also be your little catchphrase. So you can I would I would suggest writing them out, you know, like I just said, like journal it and see if you could keep just a mental tally over like a week's time and just see what you come up with. And then really look at the difference between, okay, that's what happened. And then I made that my truth just because this one person at this particular chapter in my life does not love me. It's interesting. I've made it mean that for my rest of my existence, I can never be loved. Nobody else said that except you. 
Whatever you say in your own mind becomes your truth. So make sure it's a truth you want to believe. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So we also do this with other people. And this is what I was talking about earlier where we build up this entire story or the scenario. Like say we had an alter uh, altercation with somebody at work or maybe not even an altercation. Maybe it was just you had words and it felt a little weird. And so you go back to your desk and you start building up this whole story about, well, they think this about me and they I must have sounded like this. I'm sure they I came across this way. I, I bet they're thinking this. And then it spirals all the way into this place where all of a sudden you're you're planning to move across the country and leave your job. <laughs> and <laughs> There's a snowball. Yeah. I mean, and this is very, very common thinking for me in particular. And I don't know if it is, if it's. Everybody deals with that or if it's just very acutely around anxious people, you know, because I've had struggled with anxiety disorder. But I think most of us do that in, you know, in psychology, a lot of times they'll call it catastrophizing, where you'll take one set of circumstances and we make it mean total and utter catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Like it has to be the worst case possible scenario. So we do it a lot of times with what ifs too. We always what if these mm-hmm. horrible yes. turn of events. Like what if they fucking hate me and kill me? Like we, we, we make these horrible what ifs. And a lot of times it's based off of nothing concrete. So if you find yourself doing that, a lot of times, like I was mentioning, if you're f- finding yourself building up this whole story about what you think your mom thinks or your husband or your spouse or your wife or whatever, you get locked into this permanent place of fear and anxiety. And there was something you used to tell me all the time. You used to say, information cures anxiety. It does. So if you don't have the information, you just run around in all this anxious making up fucking stories. So here's here's a four-step process if you find yourself in this vortex of jumping to conclusions. The first is you have to notice when you're in the story spiral. And this is what you were pointing to with the other thing is really creating that heightened sense of awareness. You have to notice that you're doing it. So when you go back to your your desk or your office and your mind is spinning and you're making up a bunch of shit, you have to go, oh my God, I'm in the story spiral. I just made up a whole story about what they think of me or what that what just transpired. I made up how they feel. I made up what they think. I made up what's going to happen. You have to notice right when you're stuck in the story spiral. Okay. The second thing is to gather the facts, right? What do I know for a fact? So if we're taking that same example, well, I know for a fact that I said this. And when I said that, they made a funny face. I don't know exactly what that funny face meant. What I started making up was da 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 da. But the facts of it is I said this, they made a funny face. Right. Okay. Right? Because usually we take information like that and we that's what we use as fodder to create that's this entire fuel, story. For sure. That we obsess on and don't ever rectify. We just get lost in this like spiral of anxiety and fear. All right. So first notice, second, what do I know for a fact? And then third. What am I making up? What am I making up? Okay, well, when I said this thing, they made a funny face. I made up that they were extremely disapproving of what I just said. 
I made up that they're going to go tell our boss that I'm insubordinate. I made up that they're going to gossip about me at the water cooler. I made up <laughs> that I am that old water cooler. I'm now going to get terminated. I made up. And so you can start unpacking what really happened and then what was the truth or the conclusion that you fabricated. That's what I want you to know is you are doing this, which means you can undo it. You can change this cycle. And then the fourth piece is to look at what is the healthiest way to take care of myself. So given Mm -hmm. this circumstance, what is the healthiest way to take care of me? All right. The fastest avenue to peace sometimes I'll ask myself that too. Like, what is my fastest avenue to peace? Because for me, peace is what I always want to be feeling instead of anxious, right? right? Instead of anxiety. So in that situation, it would be, let me go have a conversation with that colleague and say, hey, I said this. I noticed you made a funny face. I started making up all these things about what I was thinking you were thinking. And I just wanted to kind of broach this and iron it out. And please understand my intention was this. I did not mean to come across this way. And you Mm -hmm. just kind of clear it up, not to be a big apologizer or over explainer. It's not that. It's for you to gain peace. It's gathering more information so that it can uh, curb your anxiety. Well, we can all use some of that. Right? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't try to rectify it or gather other information, you'll just continue. That story just gets bigger. It's like a snowball effect. It just gets bigger, 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 bigger. You have a harder time sleeping. You keep replaying things in your head. And then we know scientifically that we remember very little accurate details. I don't even know the specific percentage, but it's crazy what we think we remember that actually isn't even true. Hmm. So all of that to say, their experience of the interaction might be radically different than what you're making up. That happens a lot, yeah. So if you can't remember like the four-step process, one of my favorite questions to ask is just, what am I making up? When I've gone into this anxious story spiral, I try, I try to stop myself and go, okay, what are you making up right now? And then just looking at all of the fabrication that I just did. And then applauding myself for being motherfucking creative. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And then rerouting my thought process so that I'm not stuck in that spiral. So I'm hoping that those couple of things are really helpful. Did you have any thoughts or things as I'm... No, I'm just trying to drink it all in. I I think for me, like I said in the earlier, it's it's catching yourself saying those things. I think those voices just run in our heads and we don't necessarily uh, draw attention to them. Right. So getting attention on that voice is the first thing. That's right. At least it seems like for most people it would be. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you have to. And then this is, this is very sophisticated, right? This is a little bit more on the sophisticated side where you're saying, oh, okay, this is what I'm saying Where's the truth? And you kind of start breaking it down. I like that right. you broke it down. And you broke it down into truth and fiction, which is cool. You know, it's like a library. You've got you know, right. <laughs> fictional books and and uh, yeah. and truth books. I don't know. 
Anyway. Not nonfiction. No, yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, you mean nonfiction? You mean nonfiction? Ken. Yeah. <laughs> Truth, dummy. Anyway, so I like that you're like breaking into that. It makes it easier to to take it apart. Right. When you look at it. I think the thing that people might get in trouble with is making things truthful that aren't. Oh, like how? Explain that. Like saying, well, she did, her face definitely was upset or she definitely gave me the stink face Uh, or, you know, like making things up that may not have been there and calling it a truth. Calling it fact. That's a really good point. That's a really good point because let me just tell you, resting bitch face happens to the best of us. Yes, it does. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I've had these crazy looks on my face. And people be like, what's that look for? And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Nothing. I was just thinking. Yeah. Because my resting bitch face is is when I'm totally in, enveloped in thought. It looks scrutinizing. Full RBC. <laughs> no, it'd be RBF, wouldn't it? RBF. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, that's a great point. Byron Katie does some work around this where she asks the question – do I know that that's true around whatever situation you're talking about? Like, oh, he he doesn't love me. Well, do I know that that's true? Well, well, he doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, right. But you can... do you – and then you follow it up with, do I know with a sh- without a shadow of a doubt that he for sure doesn't love me? And so it's like – because our gut responses were like, yeah, I know he doesn't. Yeah, right. I know she was making that fucking face. Right. And then it then you have to go, wait a minute. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that that is for sure what happened? Because most of what we do is we observe and then we interpret. You have to be your own judge and jury. That's right. So even the the same stuff that I talk about a lot with my private clients and my my students when we go through belief work, the way we form our beliefs is largely from sets of circumstances that we've had in our childhood that we interpret to mean something mm-hmm. that becomes our belief. And we kind of foster and nurture that belief throughout our life until we decide we want to change them. Just knowing and being able to shine a little bit more of a light on some of this stuff, I think can be hugely helpful because whatever your current reality is, you've created it. So you can also change it. I love it. But – like what you were saying, this work is very conceptual. It's very much ideas. Uh-huh. That's why it's important to me to always have as many step-by-steps or tools or mnemonic devices or things like that to help curb those thought processes because that's what we're doing. It's conditioning like anything else. It's like working out, changing your food, going to school, and you need to get in a habit of study. It is the exact same thing. We're just getting into yeah. a different habit with your thoughts. But you have to observe those thoughts first before you can see if they are serving you or not serving you. I really want you to start thinking about how can you implement this work, these two different concepts, this idea of if this, then that, taking kind of a mental inventory of your self-talk when you're making up these truths or jumping to conclusions, and then how it influences you with other people. When do you build up stories or scenarios about what other people think, feel, or have assessed your interaction with them as, hmm. you know, okay, and, and walk through that same thing. Notice when you're in the story spiral, ask what do I know for a fact? 
what am I making up? And then finally, what's the healthiest way for me to care for myself? Do I need to go broach a conversation, gather a little bit more information, rectify something? What's the next step for you that will create peace? So I I think that's just about it. Cool. Thank you for calming your ass down. Yeah. You know, I got, I got into the cut, (laughs) into the groove. Nice. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks for hanging out, you guys, and we will talk to you next week around these parts, and here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out. Out.